Rosatana Manina Moria Sete Pelenige Shivalene Nukovale Asenane Ile Losilene Nine Lorodiza Ikele Vesena Namalevrenike Sevala de Demasia Come on, let me hear you. Come on, do it. Do it to Jesus. We give you glory, Jesus, and honor, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Sakatenanta Salakopelias Salabokopradigestesha Father, we ask this morning that you flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your Son Jesus Christ. Fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let none escape the baptism of fire. I pray that, Father, let my speech and my preaching not be persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, that the faith of these people will not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I ask that, Father, you put your spirit in my words. And as your word comes forth in power, lives will be transformed. And that my gospel will not come in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance and conviction. Thank you, Father, that your name will be praised today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, please be seated. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm not hearing you. Hallelujah. Hey. is it that you are tired or you, you don't want to hear the word of God hallelujah Amen. thank you Holy Spirit you ready for the word uh -uh, I don't see that joy you ready for the word yeah. so um, I'm trusting God that by next week we should be able to finish with this series so that we can um, go into another subject. And like I've always been telling you, whatever we're doing is based on our theme for the year, which is our year of building and rebuilding. Hallelujah. So today we should be on, is it part 14 or part 15 or part 16? Okay, so we're on part 17 on our series how to detect and deal with spiritual dryness how to detect and deal with spiritual dryness you got to really pay attention to the word and don't get distracted we need to understand that both believers and unbelievers 
can experience spiritual death. And I need to explain that. Both believers and unbelievers can explain, can, um, can what? Experience spiritual death. But you need to understand spiritual death on both sides because they are not the same. Praise God. To the unbeliever or to the sinner, spiritual death is separation from God. It is separation from God. It means to be dead in sin and trespasses. Ephesians chapter 2 the verse 1. The Bible says, and you he had quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So, spiritual death on the side of the unbeliever or the sinner is death in sin and trespasses or separation from God. In Ephesians chapter 4, the verse 17, the Bible tells us that before we met Christ, we were alienated from the life of Christ. From the verse 18, we were alienated from the life of Christ. Uh, he says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. So a man who, who is separated from God is a man who is seen as a spiritually dead man. That is the definition of spiritual death to an unbeliever. He does not have the life of God. Praise God. But we also need to understand that the believer can also experience spiritual death. This time around, spiritual death to the believer is actually a separation from the purpose and the plans of God for that believer. Spiritual death to the believer is the separation from the purpose and the plans of God for that believer. It is also a lack of nourishment in the spiritual life of that believer. Or a malnourishment of the spiritual life of the believer. It's like a spiritual desolation. A spiritual unfruitfulness. That kind of life is also a kind of death. It's only experienced by believers who have become dried up in their spiritual experiences with God. In Romans chapter 8, um, if not, let's see the verse 6. Romans chapter 8, the verse 6. Now look, he says, for to be carnally minded is death. This is talking to a believer. Then he says, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, a believer can be in Christ, yet he can be carnally minded. And the Bible tells us that to be carnally minded leads to spiritual death. Now, this spiritual death is not referring to you separating from God or going to hell. This spiritual death is you separating from the purposes of God for your life. You will not be able to fully assume and fulfill God's purpose for your life. That is also death. So you see, the consequence for not believing Jesus Christ is eternal damnation eternal separation from God that can only be experienced by the unbeliever then the consequence also for not partnering with God for not communion with God for not having a walk with God and for not maturing or growing as a believer is also what we call 
a limited flow of the life of God through you, which eventually leads to a loss of rewards in heaven. Hallelujah. Am I helping someone? So this, the state of the believer where he becomes dried up spiritually is a kind of death that happens to the believer. Maybe I'll touch on that more next time. Hallelujah. So we began to deal with how to deal with spiritual dryness. We said there's a way to deal with dryness. We said number one is prayer. The first thing a man who wants to deal with spiritual dryness in his life needs to do is to pray. You need to develop a prayer life. That is the first way of dealing with dryness in your life. Praise God. The second thing to also do is a constant feeding on the word of God. That's the second way you deal with spiritual dryness. The third thing to do is to what? Fast. Fasting should become a lifestyle for every believer. At least to be a normal believer, you should be able to fast about twice a week. That's a normal life. It should be your normal life. When the church has not organized a fasting, your normal lifestyle should be twice a week. Hallelujah. Then number four, we began to look at a more deeper way of dealing with spiritual dryness. We said church meetings and fellowshipping with other believers. We explained last week that nobody can grow alone. We are not islands. In, in the same way that no baby can grow by itself, no believer can grow by himself. You need someone to teach you the counsels of God. We explained that there are two kinds of disciplines. We have the personal disciplines, which are the disciplines you engage in privately and personally for your edification in Christ. Then we also said we have interpersonal disciplines. And we said that interpersonal disciplines are disciplines that others do together with you in your spiritual development. Me preaching to you today is an interpersonal discipline because you are not doing it directly. Someone is doing it and you are being blessed by it. A group Bible study is also an interpersonal discipline. So God wants the believer to be disciplined personally and interpersonally. And we said that we cannot grow fully without each other. That is how come God gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave teachers, he gave pastors, he gave evangelists for the perfecting of the saints. That means the saints cannot perfect themselves except God gives them the gifts of men. So me being your pastor is God's gift to you. Though I myself am a believer that needs to grow, God has placed special endowments upon my life so that you can be able to sap it for me, assimilate it, masticate it, ground it, and then be grounded in Christ. He says he gave all these gifts for that we may be perfected for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, 
We said church meetings are so important that we need to handle meetings like this or believers meetings with a lot of sacredness. We said we approach God's presence with holy reverence. That's how we deal with divine things. We approach divine things with holy reverence. And like I said last week, there are many believers who have dishonored God by how they treated God's presence without knowing. They dishonored God when they came for service right before they even left service. When, when God is speaking to you through a preacher and you WhatsApp, you, you are despising holy things. If you were cashier at a bank, you wouldn't do that when a customer is around. So we explain that what you cannot do in a bank or a chief's palace, you cannot do in God's house. Because this is the pillar and the ground of truth. Where two or three are gathered, he's there. So there is a way, there is an attitude we develop to prove to God that we are aware he's around. And how we prove it is by holy reverence. We prove it by holy reverence. Praise God. So we said a lot last week. And we began to look at um, attitudes in God's house. We said the first attitude is the attitude of attendance. Every believer must be punctual to church meetings. Every believer must be punctual to church meetings. If you, if you, if you are experienced in missing church meetings, it is going to affect your growth. We explained that last week. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, the verse 25, that we should not forsake the assemblies of ourselves together as a man of some is. So there are people who deliberately miss it. Now, of course, don't get me wrong. There are people who for genuine reasons cannot be able or would not be able to make it temporarily for a time. There are people who travel on Sundays because of work. There are people um, like we have one of our doctors who has shifts on Sundays. That's a different thing. But to deliberately miss church without a godly reason or without any justifiable excuse is not wise. That's what we are trying to say. Praise God. Number two, we said the attitude in participation into bracket worship is an attitude every believer must develop. We must develop the attitude of participating in worship. What I'm doing is not entertainment. It is not a one-man show we are doing. So when a worship leader is saying, lift up your hands and let's worship, you are to worship together with him. He is only leading us to worship one God. He is not performing. He is ministering to us and we are also ministering to God. So it's one thing we are doing, just that the worship leader is the one who leads that worship. So believers are to participate in everything that is done in church. Are you following this thing? So we say lift up your hands and let's worship. You don't look at the person who is speaking and just be staring at, at his face. That, that is wrong. And all these things I'm saying are things when you don't do, you, it's going to affect your growth. It will sap your spiritual energy. 
Many don't understand these protocols. I told you there is order in the church. There is no institution or spiritual authority that doesn't have order. When you go to a bank, there are things you can do. When you go to a chief's palace, there are things you can do. When you go for a corporate meeting, there are things you can do. When we meet for a spiritual meeting like this, there are things you can do. Because we are before God. Hallelujah. So we participate in everything. When we say lift your voice and pray, don't be silent. That is spiritual rebellion. You are rebelling against Christ. I'm teaching you here. Number three, your attitude in giving. We said every believer must develop this attitude in giving. You always have something to give. Write it down. You always have something to give. When I say giving, money is just one of them. So don't just only limit it to money. It's an attitude. We must give something to someone. It can be encouragement. It can be a smile. It can be cheering up someone who is down. It can be care. Then also, you have to give in God's house. I explained to you last week in Deuteronomy 16, where he says you don't appear before God without an offering. It is wrong to appear before God without an offering. We explained that. It's an attitude. You don't wait to have abundance before you give. No, we don't do that in God's house. If you want to, if you want to grow, you learn to give in abundance and in abasement. I'm helping someone. You know what David said in Second um, Samuel chapter twenty-four, the verse twenty-four. You can write that down. David said he will never give anything to God which does not cost him. Look, and the king said to Aruna, Aruna was someone who was giving David a property for him to build something for God for free. And David said to him, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. I won't take it for free. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, my God, of that which does not cost me nothing. Praise God. So there is always something to give. So there is an attitude that we must put up in giving. You, you must not make pledges and fail to redeem them. There are people whose pledges can buy a car now. 2,000 Ghana, they will get up. Three years, they have not, they have not redeemed that pledge. It's a wrong attitude in giving. Tell someone if you are owing God, come and, come and give back the money to him. I'm helping someone. I know. So the attitude of giving. Listen. Make sure you are giving something. All these things I'm saying are things that you do that that enhances your nourishment. That's why there are believers who pray and fast yet they don't see anything happening in their life. Because they don't understand these principles. There is something to give the church, the local church every single time. There are believers you may see them wearing one shoe. Get them a shoe. 
Some few weeks ago, one of our members, when we closed church, came to see me. He says, man of God, I just want to bless people in the church. So when you hear me blessing people with something, please, um, I'm the one doing it. Please don't be bothered about it. I says, why not? Bless anybody you want to bless. But it's good you've told me. So that later doesn't become a burden on you. Give something. Yeah, sometimes you come and check, you realize that something, there's something a church needs. Don't wait for the church to go and buy it because we have different expenses. Buy it for the church. These lights you are seeing, I bought everything. I bought everything. As a gift to the church. I didn't say I'm a head pastor. Let's take from church coffers. I bought everything. Just thousand Ghana cities, including workmanship. We changed everything here with my own cash. Praise God. It's a principle. Someone bought this carpet for us. Well, just that the person brought the carpet. Are you following this thing? So, don't just come to church and go. There is something to give to the local church. Look for something around. I want to change the drumsticks next time. It's an attitude. You, most of you just see me just ministering like this. You are just blessed like that. There is a foundation I laid. When I was serving my former church, I bought gifts. There were times I realized the technical department was struggling with screwdriver. They'll be looking for, they'll be using knife and things to, to just be pushing the thing. I'm like, what is this? I went to buy a whole set. Every size was part. And I gave it to the church for free. I bought clocks for the church. There are things I bought for the church. And these are things that, see, these things, eh, they, are, they, are, they are spiritual. God doesn't forget it. Anything you do in God's house, for God's house, God appreciates it. You imagine you work for 21 days, your salary comes, and you say, ah, this time I want to bless the church. What is around, I can bless. You can find a technical department. Is there anything I can do to help? My budget is just 100. What can I do? My budget is 300. What can I do? They'll tell you this is what the, uh, the technical department needs. Buy it. And see what happens to your life. So there is something to give. Tell somebody there's something to give. So don't be chopping your money alone. It comes, you save 100%. The church is not getting blessed. Anytime you give in God's house, something about your heart is tempered with. Anytime you give in God's house, something about your heart is tempered with. That's how come you cannot be chisel in God's house. That's the right word. It's wrong. It's a bad attitude. It will not benefit you spiritually. So giving is part of exercises that enhances our spiritual growth. Hallelujah. This light you are seeing was provided by Minister Sam. Free of charge. So there is always something to give. However small it is, there is something to give. Am I helping you at all? So these are things that if the church doesn't know, they'll, they'll realize that they are just doing a normal fasting, praying. They say, God is not. There, there are principles and protocols in God's house. These are things I'm teaching you that will help you. Hallelujah. In Galatians chapter 6 from the verse 8 to 10, it makes us understand every giving in God's house is an opportunity. It's a privilege anytime you give. You don't give and you get proud about it. It's wrong. Look. Come to the verse 9 quickly. He says, Let us not be worried in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So, anytime you're doing good in God's house, God is saying, don't get fed up. 
Because in due season, you will reap it. Look at the next verse. He says, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially unto them who have the household of faith. So first of all, any opportunity to give is what? It's a privilege. When I bless people and they say thank you, I am I'm simply beyond a thank you. I should be thanking you because he just gave you an opportunity to give to you. It's an understanding. I'm helping someone here. Praise God. Next, your attitude in obedience and submission to instructions. Your attitude in obedience and submission to instructions. These are also part of the things that helps you to grow in the local church. There are people who come to church, ushers tell them, sit here. They don't have any justifiable reason why they want to sit at another place. They just ignore the ushers and sit where they want to sit. You're already in disorder. Because you need to understand, listen, if you don't change your perception about divine things, you will lose. When an usher tells you to sit here, it is Jesus telling you to sit there. That's what I'm, well, that's what I'm saying. When a preacher is preaching to you a morning like this, it is Christ preaching to you. Are you following this thing? So, it's an attitude. We must be willing to obey instructions to spiritual authority. If we want to grow, if we want to remain spiritually nourished, We tell people when we close church, we're going to have cell meeting for 10 minutes. There are some who just pick up their bags without any justifiable reason. They'll just go home and go and sleep. Meanwhile, that 10 minutes, obeying that 10 minutes could have opened something for your life. They just, they just can't stand it when they are told to do something. They just don't like it. You can't grow that way. I'm helping someone. Next, your attitude in fellowshipping with other believers. Your attitude in fellowshipping with other believers. This is actually my message for today. Your attitude in fellowshipping with other believers. You must develop an attitude how you fellowship with believers. If not, you become a street fighter in the church. You will easily develop hatred for people. You easily get offended with people. If you are looking for offense, don't go outside. It's here. The more longer you stay with people, the more easy it is to offend them. When I was dating my wife, because we were not staying together, everything was bright and shine. We talk on phone. We don't, we don't see each other snoring on the bed. We don't see one party rowing until his hand hits someone's face on the bed. We don't see it. It's all I love you. <laughs> I remember one time we spoke ah, from 10. When the love became fresh, we spoke from 10 ah, to 3. <laughs> Whilst we're talking, he, I said, she said, are you tired? I said, no. <laughs> I'm not tired. I'm fine. Meanwhile, I was dozing. 
You are looking at my face as if you are innocent. I said, oh, we are fine, we are fine. I, I'm, I'm okay. We spoke for another one hour. Me, will have to go to work at 7 a.m. Hallelujah. So, when we got married, everything changed. Now we began to see things. <laughs> I am a, a kind of perfectionist. I, there's a way I press my pep so then I'll press it from the bottom. Then it is going small, small. When it's finishing, I know it's finishing. She will press from the middle of fume. And I don't like it. Then I'll gather it again. Then she will scatter. Then I'll gather. She will scatter. I... <laughs> Now we have to learn to live with each other. It was becoming an offense. Now I have to. <laughs> we have to learn to cope with each other, with all our weaknesses. You who is always offended, you you have forgotten you also have a weakness. So we all here are burying each other. Because get settled. You are not an angel. I'm also not an angel. We are all growing to become like Christ. So, when you declare to another believer, I will never talk to you again. On what basis? So, when you go to heaven and you see him, will you pass by? <laughs> Look at how we relate to other believers. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. He says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So, we are not to provoke one another unto anger. We are to provoke each other unto love. If there's anything to provoke us, we are to provoke ourselves to love one another. Praise God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. on therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved bowels of mercies have a big heart kindness a believer should be kind you should have you should not have enough containers in your heart for mercy to be merciful to people if you're a pastor you don't have mercy for people you can't pastor because people will blow you they'll punch you in your heart you must have a big heart to be able to take anything. Every believer must have a big heart. Because other believers will offend you. Look. He says humbleness of mind. Meekness. Long suffering. Look at the next verse. He says forbearing one another. So we have to forbear one another. And forgiving one another. If, if we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have offended each other. The Bible wouldn't, wouldn't put that there. And if any have a quarrel. Tell somebody if any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, said, so also do you forgive. So you see, you are praying and fasting, yet in church you are quarreling with three people. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So you are doing a spiritual exercise. Kalapu, 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 kalapu. The guy comes and kalape, kalape. You won't grow. Because there is something that is prevent, that's going to prevent you from growing. So we'll be speaking in tongues, fasting, giving offering, but we have offenses in our heart against each other. We can't grow. 
And that's what is going on. Listen, the devil's trap is to keep the church divided. That is how he weakens the authority of the church. He weakens our power. He weakens prayer when he successfully brings division amongst us. So, you also forgive as Christ forgave you. You know, you can be an usher and a member can offend you. You can be a member, an usher, or another church worker can offend you. You don't know that. So, that act of forgiving in the local church and in your home and in your family and in your office and your workplace, especially in the local church, that is an act that you do that enables you to come out from spiritual dryness. If not, your prayer is useless. I'm teaching good here. Look, Galatians 5.26. He says, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. We shouldn't be desirous of vain glory. You want to be seen. You do something, you want everybody to say it. That's vain glory. He says, provoking one another and envying one another. How can we envy one another? You are there with a brother in the church. He buys a car. You don't have a car. Then now you see the, the brother. You are envious. You are not happy he has bought the car. You are not happy he has been promoted. This is what the church is doing to each other. Envying one another. Hey. Let's repent. Let's celebrate people for what God is doing in their life because it's God doing it for them. Do you know that Joseph's brothers were envying Joseph for nothing because he had a dream that 11 stars were bound down to him and they were angry. They had forgotten that they were all stars. Are you thinking about this? They forgot that they were also stars because the 12 tribes was incomplete without them. And just because of one dream, seeing him, seeing their brother, they were bound down to him. They said, how can we bow to this guy? Listen, whichever way you see it, we are not the same. How God would deal with everybody will not be the same. There are some people, God will give them 40,000 congregation. You, God will give you 100. That's how God set it in, in place. There are some people who will be more gifted than you. There are some people who will be more beautiful than you. No matter the makeup you do. It's <laughs> There are people who have natural dimples. You have used your hand to press it. Sir. You see it's not coming. May it not appear in Jesus name. Your lips are not pink. Now you have started putting things on it to make it pink. My messages are prophecies. I know. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12 from the verse 9. Look at that in NLT. 
of how we behave towards each other in church. Look, he says, don't just pretend to love others. Hey, if we read the Bible well, eh, our attitude will change. He says, don't just pretend to love others. There are people who pretend to love people. They laugh with them in church, but they, they wish. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Look at the next verse. He says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. This one honest this. This one honest this. This one says, you, you are deeper than me. He says, no, 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 no. Me, I'm nothing. When you are around, you are more deeper than I am. That's how the church was designed to be. Nobody sees himself as chief. Look. Look at the next verse. He says, love, never be what? Lazy. They are lazy believers. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. There is a way we serve the Lord. We serve him enthusiastically. Tell somebody, we serve the Lord enthusiastically. That's how we serve the Lord. With zeal. There are people who are shy to carry their Bibles when they're going to church because they'll, they'll see them as Christians. So they say, my Bible is on my phone. Their, their heart is that they are dodging the embarrassment of being a Christian. Listen, we serve God enthusiastically. We let people know we are serving God. You are running away from your, your, your pride as a, as a Christian. You don't know this thing. You don't know what you have. When you have iPhone 13, you want everybody to see it. You have Christ. You are hiding him. So this is how we despise and dishonor Christ. You buy Peruvian Wivon. You just shake your head every two minutes. You can't hold your Bible. We serve him what? Enthusiastically. With zeal. We pass, hey, why are you behaving like you're the only spiritual person? Yes, I'm the only spiritual person. Next verse. He says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. This, this is telling us church life. Oh, that's how we should behave. Next verse. He says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be ready. Of course, there are people who abuse it. There are people, as for abuse, it's inevitable. Everything is abused. There's one man who has been coming with some, I don't know whether it's afro in person, person here. He came, he started helping him. I blessed him with clothes, I blessed him with this. No, no, he starts asking church members money. He said they have arrested his brother in, in sales. He came for business money. I gave him money for business. He didn't show up again. He came. He said the money was stolen. Now you go to uh, people. You ask him 20, 30. So now he's enriching himself in the church. And what spot the whole thing was that he's now proposing to the girls in the church. He will take their number. He said, I person you do D or don't come or B. Not one, not two, not three. And the issue has come to me. I am waiting for him to step in church. So people will always take advantage. But the fact that people take advantage doesn't mean they are genuine people who have need. And we must still help them. 
Hallelujah. Next verse. He says, bless those who persecute you. Can the church do this thing? Bless those who persecute you. Imagine you are in a prayer meeting. That guy that lied on you on the office and you almost lost your job. And I said, Father, bless Kwame. Bless Kwame. You see, it's strange to you. You see, it's strange to you. Father, bless Kwame. That's the Christian life. That's what we are told to do. We bless those who persecute us. That man that caused you pain, God says, bless him. And when you are blessing him, it is not him you are blessing. You are blessing yourself. There are people who have hurt us and they are walking freely and we are paying the pain for their foolishness against us. And they are eating free, shitting free, doing everything free of charge. And we are in pain. Sleeping free, eating free. And we are in pain. In pain. If you don't let go, hmm? if you don't let go and forgive, you'll kill yourself. I'm teaching with you. He says, pray that God will bless them. Hi. Try it and see what will happen to your heart. Next verse. He says, be happy with those who are happy. We don't see that in church again. I'm teaching you how believers relate with other believers. Be happy with those who are, who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Next verse. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. This, this is what, what is going on in the church. We segregate. We check those who have influence. Those who, who wear nice clothes. Then we are associating ourselves with them. We see people who are not looking nice. We pass by them. When we get to heaven, eh, some of us, some of us, not only here, but in other churches, how people behave in churches. We will be so embarrassed before Jesus because of how we treated people. When they even greet you, you don't even listen. You don't even mind them. They are not part of your radar. Listen, when we close, we should even spend time with people who don't look like they have it. I'm teaching good here. And don't think you know it all. To know. Don't think you know it all. Next verse. Never pay back evil with more evil. He blew tick me. Do you know that 20 years ago, if anybody heard that WhatsApp will cause division, the person wouldn't believe it. Today, color blue <laughs> has called division. He blue ticked me. The thing ticked blue. That means he viewed it. What if the moment he viewed it, his screen went blank? What if the moment he viewed it, his phone went off? Why do you conclude? And you are angry because of color blue. You go and face Jesus in heaven. Color blue. Shame. He brutic me. Listen, why do you allow petty things? You are too petty. You are too petty. And unfortunately, it's Christians who do that. Little, little, little offenses. That don't matter. That we could have just bypassed. We consider it. That doesn't mean you should also blutic people. It's also not fine. 
Yes, it says, do things in such a way that everyone can see you. They can see you are what? Honorable. And honorable is one MPO. Those people they are calling uh, honorable. Who buy houses for 17-year-old girls? Are they honorable? But why are you watching? Why have they bought a house for you? Ah, I thought you would cheer me up. Next verse. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. He says, do all you can. There are people who have decided to cut you from their life. You want to say, man, why cut me? I'm going to say, cut Do everything possible. Everything possible. You call the person, it's not picking up. Do your best. Greet the person. Until it has gotten to the point of no return, they just allow the person to go. But he says, if it is possible, make sure you live at peace with everybody. If you have this rule, you can have a difficult boss, but you can learn how to live with that boss. There are some bosses, when you're going to work, you're already weeping before they insult you. They'll give you a headache. But listen, live at peace with them. You know many Christians are only Christians on Sundays. You'll be shocked. They're only Christians on Sundays. Monday to Saturday, there is no difference between that believer and a non-believer. A Christian will see someone's phone fall in a taxi from the person's pocket. He will keep quiet. The person will get down. He will switch off the phone and take the phone. You go and buy food. They will overchange you and give you extra five CD or seven CD. And you say it's the blessings of God. If God wants to bless you, seven CD. You are not serving El Gibo. You are serving El Chipo. You are cheap. We are not honest. We are not honorable. We are not honorable believers. Yesterday, my wife bought an Uber when she was coming. When she sat in the car, she saw that someone's 20 Ghana was at the back seat. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't belong to the taxi driver, but it's in his car. She gave it back to the taxi driver. The taxi driver was watching his face every five minutes. Watching. <laughs> because, oh, who be that? But it was in his car. So he has labored the whole day. If 20 Ghana is in the car, give it back to him. That's honorable. You see someone's wallet, you return his ID card, you don't return the cash. <laughs> hey, in church, you steal company properties. Company property, no what time? Next, your tax with the coffee. Who say, hey, government, yeah, look at you. Instead of you being the salt of the earth, the salt of the earth. You have joined them because the government is, cor- is corrupt. So you also have joined in the corruption. Instead of you living a different life. Mm. Hey. Next verse. Dear friends, never take revenge. Hey. Hey. Never take revenge. There are about half, half of us. We've taken revenge in a very nice way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Very nice revenge. Cut the person off. Nice revenge. The person is in need. He said, I don't have some. Nice revenge. The person say, hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> After you are done with the person. He says, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. 
For the scripture said, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Listen, this is church matters. Oh, I'm talking about church matters. These are things we do to become spiritually rich. It's not just labakaba. It's not just labakaba. There's a way we relate with one another. Praise God. I told you, Christian ladies, you are supposed to dress well in church. It's how you relate with another believer. There, there are ladies, I told you last week, that they wear dresses and half of their breast is exposed. And there's another believer who is a male who has just recovered from last, just a week ago. And you came to church. Unampa. And he's briefing like this. Boom, 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 And what is following the whole thing that we are praying and we are coming, Jesus. Eh? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and the brother is like, <laughs> the believer is finished. He didn't finish you, but when he went home, he went to do something he was not supposed to do. When you do that, you're no longer walking in love. Listen, we don't dress to kill, we dress to heal. Let your dressing edify another believer. What you cannot take to your office, don't bring to church. If because of you, a believer backslided, because there are some dresses you wear, you are telling the person, I'm available. Okay, the place is quiet, so... <laughs> Let's continue. Now, look at this verse. First Timothy chapter 2, the verse 9, in NLT version. NLT version. Look, he says, I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair. Or, I'm not the one saying, I'm just quoting scripture. And um, or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. That doesn't mean you shouldn't buy clothes that is expensive. Anyway, next verse. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Every lady should copy this scripture. Check your ties. Because it is worrying another believer. And I was shocked. I saw a scripture in Romans chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. This scripture is scary. How other believers have caused other believers to stumble without them knowing. They sinned against the believer and they sinned against Christ. Romans chapter 8, 1 Corinthians 8, the verse 5. Let's come, let's read from there. Look, from the verse 5. He says, For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be many gods and lords, many, uh-huh. But unto us there is but one God, Father of all, all things. We in him, one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and by him we live. Uh-huh. Next verse. He says, how be it? This was an issue of food because those times they offered food to idols. And some Christians who had a revelation were still eating the food offered to idols because they had a better knowledge that there are no gods. There's only one God. So by that, that revelation, they were eating the food offered to idols, but there were other believers who didn't have that understanding and they believed that there are other gods that can attack you. Are you following this thing? So Paul is saying, how be it, there is not in every believer that knowledge you have about your liberty in Christ. 
He says, for some, with conscience of an idol, unto this hour, eat it as a thing offered to an idol. And their conscience being weak is devoured. Because you were eating the food offered to idols, and the weak believer saw that you have eaten it, he also went to eat it. And the next day, his stomach became big. Next verse. But meat commended not as to God. For neither if we eat, are we better. Neither if we eat not, are we worse. Next verse. He says, but take heed, lest by any means, this liberty of yours. You can wear any dress. Oh, Jesus didn't say don't wear trousers. He says, but take heed that this liberty of yours does not become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Not every believer in church is strong. Oh, you can pierce and put five earrings here as a church worker. But when another weak believer comes and sees a church worker who has pierced five, he says, okay, ah, okay, so uh, it's fine. It's fine. Within two weeks, he has pierced ten. You embolden the believer to do it. Am I helping? Look, next verse. If any man see thee which has knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be what? Emboldened to also eat the things which are offered to the idols. Next verse. He says, and through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. And look, the, the verse 12 is the killer. He says, when you sin against the brethren, hey, so we can sin against brethren in church and wound their weak conscience. You do what? You sin against Christ. So if your short skirt caused another believer to think of lustful thoughts in his mind, you sinned against Christ. Listen. We don't live to ourselves. So. It is to Christ we live for. There are things we want to do. When we think of Christ and we think of other believers who are weak, we stop it. I'm teaching good here. We think of other believers who hear or see that report. We don't do it again. Such believers are mature believers. Anytime you wear a dress, ask yourself eight questions. Number one. Will Christ have dressed this way? That's the first question. Number two. Will Christ be impressed with how you have dressed? The first person you ask when you wear a dress is Jesus. Are you okay with this dress? If you ask yourself these questions and you are not getting the right answer, that means the dress is not appropriate. If it's not appropriate, it will not edify any believer. So the second question is, will Christ be impressed with the way I've dressed? Number three, is my dressing right and noble before God? It's not just to women, to the men also. Is my dressing noble before God? Four, is what I'm putting on holy? And mind you, we are not saying that you should start wearing rags. Dress me, buy good clothes, but make sure they're decent. Look at the next verse. Next question. Will God admire me on my type of dressing? Will God admire me on my type of dressing? Will he admire me? The next question. 
Can I take this dress to work or to a corporate institution? If a corporate institution can't accept it, that means you are saying that God is the one who deserves it. Next question. Will it be okay for my children to emulate this way of dressing? Will it be okay for my children to emulate this kind of dressing? Finally, what impression will it give to an unbeliever? What impression will this dressing give to an unbeliever? If you ask yourself these eight questions and the answer doesn't go well, you take a second look. Look. At Philippians chapter 4, the verse 8. This will guide us in whatever we do as believers. He says, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue or character, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So this is what should guide you. In how you should appear before people. Is it pure? Is, is it honest? Is it of good report? Does it edify? Is it noble? If you, if you don't answer these questions in your mind by thinking these thoughts, you will never be able to live to please the Lord. Finally, your attitude towards leaders in the local church. That's the final attitude. Let me do this in five minutes. Today we're going to, I'm going to preach. I'm preaching just for one hour. We're going to pray. Your attitude towards leaders. Listen. If we want to be nourished, our attitude towards our leaders, not just the head pastor, but his leaders, really matter as it matters to our spiritual development. Like I always say, it's not just about praying in tongues and fasting. Our attitude in the local church towards leaders really makes a lot of difference. That's the way we treat our leaders. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Teaching us how to handle men of God. And leaders, shepherds, cell leaders. There's a way we handle them. Church workers. Quickly. He says, we beseech you, we beseech you brethren, to know them which labor among you. You can imagine, I woke up at 1 something a.m. I started praying from 2 a.m. I came to church by 3 a.m. So I was praying right from the car while I'm coming. Because of you. Every Sunday, if I am late, it is 1.30. I normally wake up at 12 a.m. I will pray from that time to 8 a.m. before I dress up to come and preach. It is labor. I study for hours. I stay. Because of you, I have lost my private life. My wife is even suffering. Not negatively. But what I'm trying to say is that I have, we, we labor for this thing we are doing for you. It's a labor. There are times I'm praying for people. The Spirit of God tells me to tell the people I'm praying for them. So I text them, I'm praying for you. God says he's going to encourage them. So I do it. I'm praying for you. I pray for everybody by name. Except your name is not in the book of life in the church. I pray for people by name. I mention your name and pray. Sometimes I weep in prayer. Depending on the condition. 
Look, he says, to, he says, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Next verse. He says, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourself. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 13, the verse 7. Watch it. Hebrews 13, 7. He says, remember them which have rule over you. That's your leaders. Who have spoken unto you the word of God. Whose faith follow considering the end of their character. That's the word conversation. Learn their character. Look at the verse 17. 17. He says, obey them which have rule over you. And submit yourselves. For they watch over your souls. Listen, your leader watches over your soul. Like I'm praying for every member. I'll mention your name. I say, Lord, I create a hedge around her. Nobody will be able to take her life. No evil family member. No weapon formed against this member shall prosper. I am watching over your soul whilst you are sleeping. He says, they watch over your souls as they must give an account. When I'm teaching you, it's a watchfulness over your soul. I'm alert to make sure you are okay in Christ. So he says, they must give an account. When I get to heaven, God is going to ask me how I treat you. That's why pastors who sleep with their church members, they don't know what is coming when they appear in heaven. Those who manipulate church members and take money from them. Tell them, I see an accident on your car. God said I should use your car for three months. There was a prophet that was doing that. And he would go. He said, I see a witch sleeping in your car. If a witch is sleeping in your car, why are you taking the car? Use the man's car for one year, four months. He traveled and parked the car at Tachimota. The man went to see the car there. He was weeping. The car had bonded. We will go and face Jesus in heaven. There are people who are not eternity conscious. This thing we are doing, we will give an account to Christ. That they may do it with joy. There's a way you will treat me and other leaders. They will do the work they are doing with joy. There are some of you, when some leaders call you, don't pick up. You don't call them back. Now when they are even calling, they feel they are worried, they don't call you again. They are not doing their work with joy. Remove your nose mask and let me finish you. <laughs> Look, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. There are many leaders who are leading with pain and bitterness because they are not being honored for the work they are doing. They are treated anyhow by the members. The members look at their face, they say, this small boy. They dishonor them. And these people do be grief. He says, for that is unprofitable for you. It's not good for you. It's not good for you. When you grieve your leader, it's not good for you. Listen, there's a way you can treat your pastor. And his prayer for you will increase. His heart for you will increase. There's a way. Tell somebody there's a way. How? Number one, pray for your pastor. These are things you do that develops you. Number one, you pray for your pastor. People think because pastors pray. Like me, I pray four hours, six hours, eight hours per day. You think I'm okay. I'm not fine. I need your prayer. Paul was, Paul was praying day and night. Yet Paul would say pray for us. Why? Because there is something that is released when the church or other people pray for that same pastor who is praying. Number two, quickly. Give him gifts and sow into his life. In other words, don't enjoy your salary alone. 
There are people for two years, they have never even bought credit for their pastor. I'm not just talking about me. The cell leaders who have been taking care of you. There was one time, some, someone did something here that really touched me. He bought one nice shoe for one of the shepherds here on his birthday. So beautiful. Someone bought a cake for one of the shepherds on his birthday. So beautiful. So into their lives. Bless them. I hear. Tell somebody, I hear. The thing is that what you are doing is not for me because I'm blessed by the grace of God. The day I beg you to give me money, that day I cease to be your pastor. I will never ask you for any money. But when you bless me, it's for your own good. It is helping you develop spiritually. I saw in Philippians 4.19, which says, my God shall supply all your needs. If you read from the verse 15, I realized that it was not a promise. It was a prayer he was praying for people who gave to him. So when you have been quoting, my God shall supply, unsupply. If you are not supplying to the man of God. Look at Philippians 4.15. He says, now you Philippians also know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church. So Paul was going around preaching on his own course. No church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. Hey! So we can be here. Only two people will bless in my life and the lives of the pastors here. Look at the next verse. He says, for even in Thessalonica, he sent once and again unto my necessity. Next verse. He says, not because I desire a gift. I am okay whether you give to me or not. I am fine. I'm telling you this. But I desire fruit that may abound to whose account? To you. Because of you, your pastor is looking good. Someone bought this for me. In this church. That's why I'm looking good. Hallelujah. Next verse. He says, but I have all. And I abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Look at what the gift they gave to Paul. He said it is an order of a sweet smell, a sacrifice and accepted and well-pleasing to God. Who did they give it to? But the Bible says it's, a, it's accepted and well-pleasing to God as an order. Every gift you, you give to your pastor or to your leaders is an order in heaven. Hallelujah. You can buy credit and say, oh, pastor, your message blessed me. This is credit. Someone sent me some letter. One of the church members. I read it for you. She added a thousand Ghana cities to it. About two weeks ago, by the time I left church, I have given people worth 2,500 Ghana cities from my own pocket. I was completely broke. That week, someone sent me 3,000 Ghana cities on Momo. I said, God, you are faithful. God knows how to take care of his people. We can't lack. We can't lack. Hallelujah. We can lack. We bless people. Bless your pastor. It's a blessing to bless your pastor. There are some churches, pastors are bleeding. They are putting every effort. People are watching him. They are expecting that he's supposed to do what he's supposed to do. Is it not his job? Who called him? Bless your pastor. Bless the pastors. Santa, buy lunch for them. Bless their lives. Buy a nice shoe for them. Maybe one of the shepherds, you realize that his shoe is now turning this way. And it's affecting his walk. His walk is going like this. <laughs> Ching is walking for him. Hallelujah. I didn't mention anybody's name here. 
Next verse, the verse 19. He says, but my God shall supply. So after he received the gift, then he says, but my God shall supply. He prayed for them for supplication that God will supply all their need after they met his need and necessities. So it's not automatic. Am I preaching good here? Next one, quickly. Encourage your pastor and celebrate him. Four, love his family, especially his wife. Quickly, next. Respect him and appreciate him. Next, quickly. Give him honor publicly. Give him honor publicly. Number seven. Don't take him for granted or despise him. In Galatians chapter 4, the verse 14 and 15, Paul said the Galatian church treated him as an angel and even Jesus Christ himself. He says, and in my temptation, which is in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, angel of God, even as Jesus Christ. They received Paul as Jesus Christ. Some people are offended that their pastors are honored. People are talking to them with their hands at their back. They are angry. Someone is talking to his pastor, he's kneeling down. That's how he wants to honor him. People are angry. Paul said they receive him as an angel. And even as Jesus Christ himself. That's the kind of honor they gave to him. Don't wait for me to sit in Lamborghini before you put your hands on your back. I'm not saying put your hands on your back. It's not by force to call me Papa. Because you can call me Papa and you want to use Papa to hit my head. <laughs> Praise God. So it's not about the Papa or the Mama. But the honor. Tell somebody the honor. Number eight, accept his rebukes and corrections. Galatians 4.16 Listen, if your pastor is not telling you the truth, the truth in Christ and the truth about the reality of your life, he doesn't love you. If your pastor is not able to look at you and rebuke you, he doesn't love you because true love rebukes. He says, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? There are some Christians, when you tell them the truth, they are angry, they become your enemy. Paul is also asking the Galatian church, because he insulted, he said, you foolish Galatians. Now these people were funded. Have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Receive his rebukes. Praise God. Number nine, embrace his humanity and weaknesses. Embrace it. There is no perfect pastor in the world. Even if you live here, you go to another pastor, you may see another worse thing. There is no perfect pastor. So take me as I am. Maybe there may be something that you do I, you don't like, I do that you don't like. I have my weaknesses. I have my frailties. So embrace me as I am. And let's move together because you're also not perfect. Are you following this thing? Finally, don't grieve him. But walk in his teaching. And let his words carry weight in your heart. Don't grieve him. Walk in his teaching. And let his words carry weight in your heart. Here ends the sermon on the mount. Shall we rise up and pray? Rise up. Let's pray. Pastor Moses is going to take us to a time of prayer. Please, let's pray with all zeal and passion. 